Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. And we are back for another powerful, I'm going to set a positive. I guess it's a positive Tuesday. Anytime the word of the Lord is coming through, it's positive, even if it makes your knees shake a little bit. It's still good, <laughs> still good to know he is talking to us. Yes, Lord, Dr. Price, we have so many amazing things happening here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Come on, tell us T-town. about it. T-Town. <laughs> it's going down in T-Town. Woo! Jesus. <laughs> You know, I tell you, it's really interesting um, to be where you are uh, and to be who I am and to realize, okay, so God, after all of these decades, uh-huh. you know, it would be nice to say years, but decades, we are finally there. And we are still receiving new families. We finally got those the McCullers out of Pennsylvania. Yes, Lord. Almost all of them. Glory to God. Yes. Whole bit. So we finally got them out. And we're so we have a couple more coming in uh, in the next week or so. Is that right? Yes. We have uh, this weekend. This weekend. Mm-hmm. This weekend we have a few more. <laughs> I'm like, God is doing it. And then we, we are having our first Sunday in our own Church in our relaunch. Everybody, I want you to just remember this is Dr. Price's relaunch. Okay, say that again. This is uh, the relaunch. Yes. This is Dr. Price's relaunch because I am not new to ministry. I didn't just get up the floor for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Um, shed a lot of demons over 35 years. You can lose a lot of devils over that time, you know. Probably gain some, but you certainly can use, lose a lot of them. And so this Sunday, we get an opportunity to have our first service as the congregation of the mighty in our church. And you know what else we're doing, Ashley? We're getting new members. Yes, we are. Online members to the congregation of the mighty. And I mean, truly online members. It's going to be great. So this Sunday, you'll get an opportunity to um, join us. From beginning to end, and we can stretch out and take our time and give God sugar, sugar, sugar praise. You know, I'm going to see if we can do the um, do Facebook Live from the Congregation of the Mighty page. I wonder if that can work. I think we can, but I'm not sure because it's a group and not a, I don't know. Well, hey, let's play around with it. Because the Congregation of the Mighty has to get their special attention because they are part of the congregation. Hallelujah. So I'm excited about that. That's a really good thing. And then, what, two weeks after, well, really a week after, <laughs> we'll be moving into our new school site. That's right. Talk about a relaunch. God, is ha- God has us relaunching all at the same time. He's almost moving us in the way he secured these facilities. Yes. One right after another. No breakdown. We were just praising him over the, the school, and we ended up with the building. We were just praising him over something. He's just doing it, and I'm grateful to God. And you know why he's doing it? 
He's doing it because of scripturally organic Christianity. God wants to get a congregation, a body that believes that he ought to be organic and holistic. That he ought not to be profane, mixed, and mangled, and all of those kinds of things. So I'm just excited about how God is doing this. This is great. So if you haven't joined us, if you don't have a home church and you haven't made up your mind, or you just want scripturally organic Christianity, you can't find it out there because you won't. Not yet. (laughs) You may find the tagline, but you won't find the substance. Because scripturally organic Christianity is launching and exploding from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hallelujah. That's where it's kicking off. That's where it's beginning. And I right now happen to be the only messenger of the Holy Ghost that has the message. Isn't that powerful? You know, guys, can I tell you, this is new for me. You know, Prophet Ashley can tell you, I have not ever been this forthright about myself. You know, now I'll brag on people all day long. I'll brag on my kids for days, on days on end. But just to make true statements, <laughs> true statements, yeah. woo, uh, I've not been able to do that. I just I have not been able to do it. But scripturally organic, culturally unmodified Christianity, that is God's thing. That's his hot button that's where he is. He's like, could I, could I get my people to come out from among them and stay out? <laughs> you know, want to be out? Yeah, he gets us out, and then we want to sneak back in. I wonder what my friend is doing. Let me go see who got saved and who didn't get Oh, They're not saved yet either, but maybe I need to go back and help them out, you know, as, as if you were on the cross. But I'll tell you, I'm, I'm rejoicing in God. And as I rejoice in him, I think, Man, we got powerful stuff going. We started out as new era apostleship, moved in. You know, I'm going to keep telling you so that the new people understand our journey. And as the Bible says, understand my joy in the Lord. I'm proud of Jesus. I'm so proud of him. I don't even know what to do. And I think about it, I say, but God, I'm proud of you. You know, I love you. I admire you. I revere you. And I'm, I stand in awe of you. But every now and then, you got to say, but I'm proud of my dad. You know, my daddy is the man. He's the what? He's our dad. And so I'm proud of him, and I tell him that all the time. And so we move from new era apostleship to ABCs of apostleship to discipling apostolic Christians, and we said, where are we discipling them to? And then we hit that nerve. We struck that thing, rang that bell loud, church bell, and that is to scripturally organic, culturally unmodified Christianity. And from there, we launched the Come Home campaign. Come home to Tulsa. Come home to the headquarters of scripturally organic, culturally unmodified Christianity. We are the headquarters, and watch us, because we will be the stronghold. We will be the strong man that's stronger than the one that's been tearing up the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm excited, and you know what? We have to say it. You know, God began to tell me um, that once he said, well, if you keep saying something different from me, I don't, I don't have anything else, you know? What are we going to do about that? I was like, I don't know, Jesus. What are we going to do about it? So I learned, well, you know, I have to ask the Lord stuff because, you know, it's nice for us to have all of those cute little slogans and carry on, but God is very serious about being God. 
And so he said to me, if, if you say it different, now I say that I have given you. And he told me, he said, I struck from heaven for you. I said, all right, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm telling this business. I'm telling you too. Because I can say this because I'm not a neophyte. I can say this because I'm not a novice. I can say this because I now know why I was put through and why I came through. See, because sometimes you're going through and you don't know why. I'm, how you doing? I'm going through. I'm, I'm going through, but I'm come through. But I now know that I was born into the planet and made an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ for new era apostleship, which is literally scripturally organic Christianity. I'm, I'm born to tell people how, where to go when you come out from among them. When God says, come out from among them, I now understand. When he says, be ye separated, I got it, Jesus. I got it. I, I, I understand it. It's, uh, it's clear to me. And when I now know, I can honestly say, so like Paul, when Paul, you know, the other apostles did not get something that Paul got. Mm. Hit it. Ah. You guys hit it. Bang. Oh. Have to hit it. They, because Paul got something that they did not necessarily get. They were brought into Jesus' ministry and Jesus' mantle as Jews. They were brought in under the law of Moses. We've had this conversation before. I will, I will keep saying it, you know, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you need to keep hearing what God is saying on his subject. And so they were brought, they, they were come up and they came up under Judaism. And they literally had eons and eons of prophecy about their nation about the Jews, about the coming Messiah, about that eternal David that would come, about that great prophet that Abraham said would come. They were, they had a platform. They just stepped on it. Not Paul. Paul is like, I've been raised to be the Jew of the Jews, the rabbi of the rabbi, the A on the Alpha team, etc. and I go to the Gentiles. Now, can you imagine, he was not raised for that. He was not saved for that. I would imagine when God finally told Paul, oh yeah, by the way, and some of you all who are listening to me, you are you know what it's like. You sent to another nation, you're sent to another people, you're sent to a language you can't speak, you're sent to a world you don't understand, and you sent to people who just like you and don't know why, and then you sent to help them come out of their God, so you also sent to make them mad. See, there's some of you all out there listening to me right now, so you know Paul's experience. You know what he felt like when he woke up and realized that God told him, guess what, you are not a minister of the Jews. Huh, I'm not? No, you're not. So uh, get ready because I'm not sending you there. When you read Acts 26, 18, and if you go just two verses up with 2616, Jesus said, I have appeared to you for this purpose. He said to make you a minister. And see, it's, it's powerful when you read it and you see, okay, so Paul came into this thing knowing his calling. Now, he didn't believe it because he clearly was trying to help the Jews get, get saved. My job is to make sure that they stop killing the Jewish Christians. God's like, well, no, not exactly. And some of you listening to me, you know what it's like. You, you are sure. You were raised up in so-and-so's church. 
You were raised up by so-and-so, Bishop this and, and Apostle that and Elder the other, and you are clear. They have promised you that, this, that you are benighted. They're going to take you, and you're going to be that one, and God said, leave. What? No, God, I'm next in line. No, leave. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking. I am answering someone tonight. And so here you are, you have given this ministry all those years, and if it's your mama's ministry or your daddy's ministry, the uncle's ministry or the aunt, you know, or the godfather and the godmother, then you're definitely in trouble. And so you are ready. I am there. You're like, if this ship goes down, I am going down with this ship. If this ship got a hole, I'm going to help plug the hole because I am part of this. They have you, you all have had birthday parties together. You've had families, great moments, trips, and all those kinds of things because you are next in line. Hmm. Do they hear me? Mm-hmm. See, some of you all, your blessings are not where you grew up. Your harvest is not where you grew up. Your destiny is not in your homeland. It's not around the dinner table with the fam. That's not where your harvest is. And if you want to be blessed for being saved and you want to be blessed for answering the call to ministry, then you need to complete the answer and go where God tells you to go. But, Lord, you don't understand. What about my father? What about my mother, my sister, my brother? What about my relatives? And God said, but what about your soul? And what about the lies that I have to charge you with not capturing for me? Because you're not where you ought to be. Because God's favor is never in error. So if you're in the wrong place, you may have God's indulgence, but you don't have his favor. Hmm. Hit something. Again, somebody out there, are you hearing me, guys? Periscope, are you following along? How about you, Facebook? Because, see, some of you all, you are upset with God because I answered the ministry. I didn't go to college. I didn't follow my career. I stayed with mom and dad. You had three dreams right after you made the decision to stay, and three dreams told you that God has another place for you. And you gave God excuses, and you told him why you couldn't do it, and you explained to him that you had a family. You had the audacity to tell God family first. Hit something. And God said, family first, I thought I was your family. I thought I created you. I saved you and brought you into my family. And so now you're upset because you have been laboring for 12 years with dad, mom, sister, brother, aunt, uncle. You've been laboring with these people, and there's no fruit, and there's no harvest for them or you. And you know why you don't have a harvest? Because God has told the powers that be in his spiritual realm not to bless that work. And if they don't get you out of there, they're going to die because they have to get you out. Family ties are wonderful for holidays, birthdays, celebrations. That's great. Keep your family ties. Go home. But a real parent, a real mom, a real dad, a real uncle, aunt, a real authority figure will say to you, I have taken you as far as I can take you. The Lord has told me I must release you. And they will send you out with joy instead of dread and promises and threats and tyranny. Because you can't send, you don't send your natural children out to fail. Why do you send your spiritual children out to fail? What kind of 
spiritual parent is going to say, and when you get up, that's all right, you'll see. You ain't going to have no money. You're not going to have any family. There's not going to be any peace, and it's going to be horrible for you. You didn't send your natural children out like that. How dare you? I want you to go and get those words and bring them back into your house and put them in the ground and take those curses off your children, those curses off your spiritual children. Because your work can't grow as long as you're condemning another thing God wants to do. So you need to take those curses off of them. Go get them. Pick up the phone and say, son, daughter, I was in the flesh. You know, a lot of us have those little, you know, flesh flash outs. You know, we go, well, flesh just gets the flashing out like it thinks it's waiting and it starts tearing up stuff. It's okay. But you need to take those curses off your children, your spiritual children, and your natural children. If you are really a parent at heart and you want God to, to bless your parentage, you must take those curses off of your children. I don't care who they are. I don't care where they are. Because some of those people loved you so much that your word destroyed their soul. And no parent spiritual or natural, has a right to destroy another one, especially those that they've given charge over. That is a horrible way to send your kids out to serve the Lord. And they believe that if you curse them, that they're cursed of God. You understand that when you curse your children as a minister, as a pastor, bishop, or elder, when you do, they don't just hear you. They believe you got permission from God to destroy them. Anybody flown with me tonight? You, and so they leave there like, they, like you have gotten a, a word from the Lord that, that their decision and their obedience to God is right, and you took away their confidence in the Lord. They cannot be sure of anything in God. So God does a whole lot of rapid things to help them so that they don't walk out in such disappointment that they don't even serve him with boldness. You need to go. If you have an unruly child, and believe me, if natural, a lot of us have them, we just kiss them, hug them, and send them on their way. Honey, because we know life is true. And life is never derelict. It will give every lesson and every class and soul needs to understand. But you don't have to do that. Do not do that. Don't send your people out and don't sit on the phone and let everybody know your child left and now your spiritual child left and you want to let everybody know that they didn't leave right. Everybody, not a confidant, not somebody that you're trying to process it through. Yeah, it hurts when they don't leave right. So, yeah, and there's some processing that needs to be done. But you need to pick your confidant and you need to tell it to that person and be done. But not spreading that out there so that everybody will know that you disapprove and that they didn't treat you right. Oh, somebody hear me today? If you have to, if a peer or a colleague, and they need to be an equal or above, ask you, you have a right to tell the truth so that they don't bring that problem into their house. But you don't have to take out an ad in the Kingdom Wide Ear Gazette and say, this person is terrible because you want to really, you're doing it because you want to shut them down. You want to shut their doors, shut doors on. I know what that's like. I had a mentor do that to me. As a matter of fact, I had three, and they did it. And, you, and to me, there's nothing more that they could ever tell me about fathering, mothering, sistering, or brothering. 
I don't, I don't trust a word. They could never convince me of that because I would never do that. You don't have a right to drive somebody into poverty. You don't have a right to do that. You don't have a right to be the voice that, that, that causes them to lose their jobs and their homes. And some of these people are so broken they can't even do their jobs. You don't have a right to do that. You, if you don't agree, just shout and say, I don't agree. Yeah, well, you know, the young man got to learn something. That's okay. If anybody smart, listen, smart people know exactly what that means. You know, well, that brother got to learn a few things. Well, yeah, yeah, he's got to learn about being a son. Yeah, he got to learn something. Because let me tell you something. You could have been wrong too, but nobody will ever believe you were wrong because you're the elder. And so the elder wouldn't lie, and people don't want to think that their colleagues and their buddies and their friends are unjust. They don't want to think that because that brings on a whole new body of issues and, and concerns that they've got to work through. So they'd rather think this little upstart was wrong. But, you know, God gave me a pro I will never forget this, and I teach my mentees this all the time. And I'll tell you, and if I ask them, most of them will tell you, God said the first man seems right till you hear the second man's side of the story. So if you're not willing to hear the other, the, the young upstart side of the story, then you're going to have to take the first part with a grain of salt. You're my friend. I'm not getting involved in that. God's not telling me that. I'm just going to go ahead on and bless. But these, you elders, you do that because you want to bankrupt them because that's your vengeance. And you are literally talking about vengeance is yours. And so you tell everybody how horribly they treated you and how they didn't pick up your glass of water and how they left your laundry in the cleaners and how they did all of these things that are totally unrelated to ministry, totally unrelated to whether or not they can do the job. And you want to bankrupt them. And I'm telling you that because God has been telling you you need to go back and fix it because those people are crying out to him. And when enough people cry out about a problem, heaven gets involved. You know, heaven will get involved. God said when that sound ascends to my ear and I can't just, I can't ignore it and I have nobody in the flesh to resolve it because the problem, the, 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 the solution is the problem. And the problem solver is the problem creator. And so then he has to get involved, and he has to come and fix this. Sometimes you just need people to help you understand. Some of us just inherited these bad habits. I mean, really, don't you think, Ashley, some of us, just, if we just inherited them, we saw how they did it, so we just did it. I mean, and so you don't know. So, but, but God is giving you an opportunity to clean your slate. And to get the blessings of God flowing in your work again. Some of you all think the blessings are because some witch is praying. No, no, some of that is wickedness that you did. He didn't need a witch to do it. You did it to yourself. Your own wickedness. But see, you know, humans are natural blame shifters. You know, we are the blame team. If God wanted to have somebody that was going to blame, handle the blame part of his creation, we got that covered. Adam C. got it covered. But some of you all, if you get on your knees tonight, and you get on your knees, and some of you all, maybe more than that, you need to turn your plate now, and you ask God, God, what happened to my blessings? God, what happened? What were we doing when we were flowing so well? God, what, what's going on? Lord, show me what I have forgotten. This is how I pray. Show me what I have forgotten or what I refuse to see. Oh, somebody, hit the table. You want to know how to get, your, get an answer from God? He said a contrite heart a humble and contrite heart, drop to your knees. Don't sit in your little favorite comfortable chair. 
Don't get your little key and everything. That's like you and God are going to have communion. Y'all are not having communion. You are having confrontation. So you need to get it and get on your knees and say, God, show me. Because I started out, you blessed me. Instead of talking to all your friends about the bygone days of your good times in God, find out why they stopped. Because God is a blessing God. He said, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Not snatch the rug from under you. That's not how he does it. So when he's forced to behave that way, you have got to be bold enough and big enough to say, I miss God somewhere. Now, I don't know where, but I know I miss him because God is good. And let God be true and every man a liar. You have to ask yourself, where did I miss him? I veer off course. I veer off point. God, what can I do? And so some of you all literally sold your birthright to some guy that came in and gave you a good, you know, buy you out of God package, get you away from Jesus' place, and you bought it. Well, you learn better. You learn. But it's worth it for you to get, do you realize how mature it is to go to God and say, you know what, I missed you somewhere? That's mature because mature people admit. They confront, they admit. They acknowledge and they repent and go on and they relent. If don't repent, if you won't relent, if you're not willing to relent of what you're repenting of, you probably shouldn't go. But you should ask him, God, I uh, I miss you. I made a wrong turn. It's kind of like being on the highway. You know, we had a road here. Actually, now we have a running joke about a road here in town that if you miss that turn, you are not getting home that night because you can't get off anywhere. And so you are not getting home that night. But I say that to you to say some of you all, what you think is the reason for God drying up your world and drying up your blessings is not it. And not all of them are negative because there's some of God's reasons are that I'm tired of working in this field. I want you to work in another field. And you're, you're and soul ties, you know, soul ties, you know them bonds to the land and bonds to the family. And most of those bonds are to habits. So your habit bonds are things that, yeah, but we like that coffee at the church, and we like those Tuesday night bowlings, and we like that Wednesday night Bible study, and then afterwards we all get out and go. See, some of you are bound to habits, to recreational habits, and so you don't want to listen. But ask God. If you really want to get God's favor again, you want to turn his face towards you, you have got to be honest. And when you ask, don't ask amiss. And so, Dr. Price, give me an example. What's asking amiss? Asking amiss is saying, God, I know I did everything you told me to do. You went right there. I'm, you come right in on your platform of, of your A-plus card. You know, I did everything you told me to do, God. I listened to you. I opened a ministry. I left my job. I, I suffered. I did this. Don't go in with your, listen, don't go in with your own praise. Go in with God's praise. Because when you go in with your praise, he's got to be like, yeah, huh, right. He already knows that's going to be a waste of conversation. So you go in with your praise. God, I just praise you for being faithful. I know that you are a God of truth. I know that you are a holy God. I know that you're righteous in all of your ways. I know, God, that you delight in mercy. That's the one that we like to say when you want to really kind of soften him up. You know, you have to go with what you know. We'll hear him real good. He delights in mercy. So can we just start with mercy? God said his mercies are new every morning, every morning. 
So don't go in on your resume. It's not going to impress God. He's not impressed. Because whoever gave you an A, he might have already given an F. So what did your amen? But go in as if God is true and you know he's true. Go in as a real mortal. You know that you are mortal. You're a clay vessel. you got a day to die. So let's not act like you're not mortal, okay? And along the way, you're probably going to deteriorate a lot before you die because, well, that's just the way it works here on planet Earth. So you have to go in as if you understand. Now, you want to go in as a son, come boldly to his throne, but some of y'all, you have you, you took boldly to arrogance. Come boldly to his throne? You went arrogantly. Uh-uh, I'm your son, and this is what you've got to do. Well, let me ask you, if you did that to your natural parent, how far would you get? See, because most of you are due to God, but your natural parents wouldn't tolerate. Many of you, your spiritual parents won't tolerate it. But you go to God, I'm, you think boldly, uh-uh, go look up boldly. First of all, so you can find out whether or not you were going boldly to the throne of grace or arrogantly. And God just gave me another word. And some of y'all obnoxiously. That wasn't my word. That was his. So you ought to know that this is something that's near and dear to his heart. He's really feeling this. Okay? Some of you all go and come obnoxiously to the throne of grace. And some of your teachers taught you that because they didn't realize that they knew how to regulate their behavior and its intensity, but you didn't. So you just opted on what you heard, not realizing that they know better. You know, it's kind of like the older kids will push the little kids to do stuff, but the older kids know better. They're going to tell you, uh-uh, see, that's not going to work. So you want to go boldly to the throne of grace, not arrogantly and not obnoxiously. You want to go as if God is God and that he has options. See, when you go arrogantly, you, you go arrogantly because you don't think God has options. And you think he has no alternatives to you. All right, so we're talking about the ancient of days, the eternal almighty, the, he who inhabits eternity, you know, the God of hope. Lord of hosts ought to, ought to tell us something. Lord of hosts. Not host, hosts. With the next, that's a lot of beings to do what you want to get done. So you, you act like he's the Lord of hosts. Act, like, act as if he has options to you and alternatives, and that it's a privilege to serve him. It's an honor that he, he does. I tell him that all the time. I say, okay, and we all do. We say, but you know, Jesus, we just, it's a privilege. Because anybody with 8 billion alternatives pretty much has choices. Well, yeah, but not everybody. If Jesus wants somebody to serve, serve him, he doesn't care what God they belong to. He doesn't care. He doesn't care what their family values are. He doesn't care about anything. What did he say to Pharaoh? For this purpose, I raise you up, that I may show my power in you. God is not short on options, opportunities, or operations to get what he wants. The fact that he doesn't bully us, we ought to be on our knees thanking him for that. You know, really, because God, he can. He can, he can, because he can take away all your options in so many different ways, but he chooses to let you be as he is. He wants to reason with you. He likes his handiwork. So he likes to work within his handiwork. He likes to work within the being he made. He likes to utilize the utilities and the facilities that he put in us. Yeah? So you're going to go, and you're not going bold, uh, arrogantly. You're going to go boldly. 
and you're going to go and go humbly and contrite. God, you have options. You have alternatives. Every now and then I talk myself into forgetting that, but right now I want you to know I recognize it. And, Lord, I know that you're righteous in all of your ways. The Bible says in so many places you will never do wickedly. It says you cannot lie. It says you cannot commit sin. So if all of that is true and I'm not getting blessed, I've missed you somewhere. Somewhere I've turned off your highway, the highway of holiness or the highway of righteousness. You know, the Bible doesn't have that in there. got a couple of highways in there, the highway of holiness and the highway of righteousness. And so you got off those highways and you probably got on that cosmopolitan highway of culture. And you start sweeping your way, and you got caught up in the traffic and caught up in the people and caught up in the caught up. God already knew that, but he needs you to understand that it was not only a problem for you, that it was a, he knew it was going to be an eventual problem for you, but that it's a problem for him. And he needs you to understand that he's a person, he has feelings, and he needs you to appreciate his way of life if you want his blessings. Because the Bible says righteousness tends to light and brings the favor of God. You need his favor, then you need to get into his righteousness. Now, favor and charisma are not the same. And we've talked that the world has charisma. God has favor. And God's favor supersedes charisma. Charisma is your natural appeal, that natural attraction that you have. We have some people that they walk into a room, they light it up. That's charisma. But that, just because they have charisma doesn't mean they have God's favor. They, they got charisma, can't keep a job. Got charisma, can't get a home. Got charisma, can't pay their bills or whatever. Favor is God. Favor requires the God nod. We did a teaching on that way, way back, that God must nod to his power that it's okay to bless you to, for them to appreciate his favor. So the objects of God's favor are what he blesses. Now, I'm not talking about custodial care. You got a roof over your head, food in your stomach, you got a car. You, some of you all, because you have a good education, you have a nice roof over here. You have a good education, you have a nice roof. You have a good education, you have a nice roof over here. You have some family, you have friends, because a lot of times people think that folk are blessed because people tell them that to call what they have a blessing. Yeah, it is a blessing, but it's not a blessing from God's favor. That's a different kind of blessing. And, and one day we'll talk about the blessing of God's favor versus your effort, versus your charisma, versus people liking you. You know, we've said on many, many, many occasions, and I will continue saying it until I go home to be with God, that wrong is never blessed by God, but blind people will bless wrong. And when we say that, you need to recognize it. That's why you can't, you know, when we have this whole, you know, um, you know, God doesn't bless sin. No, God doesn't bless sin, but sinners bless sin. And Satan blesses sin. And if God doesn't need righteousness in that situation, he just lets it roll on. He doesn't, God's not medicine, and he's not petty. So he just lets it roll right on along, just roll it off, because until he needs it. And then when he needs it, the favor, the charisma goes, people stop answering your calls, all of a sudden, abruptly, you're a nobody, because you were a somebody made by a bunch of nobodies to God. Now, that's not a bad thing, because ever until we got saved, we were nobody too. So let's not act like that's some sort of, you know, indictment on the people who don't know Jesus. We were nobodies. 
And then we finally became somebody when we became sons and daughters of the living God. He changed that. And then we came under the family favor of God, you know, where that, that paternal favor where, you know, you got to take care of the bratty kids and the good kids. That's paternal faith. You got to, you got to be on a good choice, you know. You got to put, put clothes on all of them. You got to put them all, put some food in them. You got to send them all to school. You know how it goes. But then there is that child that touches you where the other children don't even care about. And that child is that child of favor. And that child, it doesn't take long that for the others to realize, yeah, you go ask God. You go ask Dad. You go ask Mom. When we say, you go, go, you go, because I just know. And thank God for those people God has an institution called intercessors. Blessed be God. So once you move forward in that favor, once you get into that favor, then you are absolutely moving in God's will for your life. So when God wants you, because we act like it, we start out with Paul. I'm like, Acts 26, I know you thought I forgot. And so Acts 26, 15 is answering, Jesus is answering Paul. He said, well, and I said, who are you, sir? And he said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. But rise up. This is the 16th verse, very powerful. But rise up and stand on your feet, for it, for it is for this reason I appear to you, to appoint you a servant and a witness, both of what you saw and what I shall yet appear to you. I like that phrase. That's a strange way of saying it. But Jesus said, and in what I shall yet appear to you. That is a nice conversation that we can have for weeks on end about why he used that word. Because we would say, what you saw and what I will yet share with you, what I, will, I shall tell you or show you, but he said appear. Great, great thing. Anyway, and then he said, having delivered you. He said, I've delivered you. Now, God thinks calling you out of the world and calling you off your job is deliverance. <laughs> you like that? Yes, and complained for years about that job. Mm-hmm. The devil's on my job. Mm-hmm. But the devil's going to try to evict it. Yes. Yeah. So then when he calls them out and delivers them from that, then it's says they're now in a trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, God has drove me into poverty. <laughs> but Acts twenty six seventeen, having delivered you from the people and the nations to whom I now send you. He said, I delivered you. I'm, 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 I separated you from where you were. I'm delivering you from your career, from your other life, from your you know, bondage, your captivity, but I'm delivering you from, for, uh, listen to this, for a reason. I have a reason. God is not going to deliver you just because you want to do, you want to run around and play and sing with no consequences. That's not, you're not going to get delivered in that. And so he said, having delivered you from the people and the nations to whom I now send you. Isn't that a powerful thing? So Paul was called away from his people. And also, he delivered them, him, him from the nations that were tied into his people because he can really send him to the real nations, those nations of the world. So considering his career, remember his career, he was, you know, I'm the rabbi, the rabbi. I was, you know, on the Sanhedrin trained, and I'm, I'm really influential, and I'm rising up in the ranks and all of that. And he said, and then I'm going to send you back. And he tells him why. 
which is my favorite apostleship statement. But here's, I want you to hear this, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the authority of Satan to God in order that they might receive remission of sin and an inheritance among those being sanctified by faith in me. This is a nice phrase, but did you ever ask yourself, how does one do it? How does one do this? You know, because most calls of Matthew 28, 18 and 20, go and make disciples of all nations and baptizing them. We don't even get to baptizing people. How do you throw a nation in water? See, we don't even think, think that thing through. There is some sort of technique, some sort of process, procedure for putting those people in water. Or if that's what he's talking about. Or is he talking about baptizing them in the water of the word for the regeneration of the nation? See, because the word is likened to water and cleanser. Jesus said, you are all cleansed because of what I, the word I've taught you. But now after I cleanse you, I got to, I've got to get you ready to be in mantles empowered for God's use. So Paul understood that, and God called him away. And, and who was he saying this to? Not to the Jews, not to the high priest, to upon this king Agrippa, I was not obedient, disobedient to the heavenly vision. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. You don't, if you enter God's service not knowing why, you're not in God's service. Well, I don't know why he called me. I don't know what he wants me to do. Then you need to find out what he wants you to do. Maybe he's not telling you because he needs you to just get educated. Maybe he needs you to get separated. Maybe he needs you to, to be in a position where he knows you're going to do it. Sometimes he wants you to be relocated. So there are a lot of reasons why God will withhold his information or withhold the answers to your prayers. And those reasons <laughs> make perfect sense to God. Even if you're like, duh, all right, God, so yeah, I mean, but you know, I've got to work. I mean, I've got a family to see. Every time you hold up a reason for disobeying God, God marks it as idolatry. Now, he doesn't say it, but he just but it's in the Bible. I know that you've been told that you know you got to do all of these things, but God says that obedience is better than sacrifice, and that rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. You realize that you all are calling all of these witches and carrying on and picking at them. Y'all probably need to deal with your rebellion, because I bet you the rebellion of the house of God outnumbers that. But if you decide that I want to get right, I just really, Jesus, I want to do it right, or you want to know why your blessings have dried up, why you no longer are getting those audiences with God. You know, there was a time that God spoke to you nonstop, and now you have to fast and pray 40 days and 40 nights just to get him to say what? Like, what? What do you want? Before you didn't have to ask. He promised you a covenant of, of answering you before you answered, before you called. Now you can't get him to answer your call. It's pretty bad when God goes silent, when God is not taking your call. That's not good. Not if you're a saint. And this has nothing to do with whether or not you talk in tongues and whether or not you cast it out. No, this is about 
you in God's service or you needing God's blessings. You need him to respond. And because most people just don't think God's real. They don't think he's a real person. You know, prophets, they just don't think so. And they think that God is anything but a person. And so you must understand that if you are going to be in God's service, you need to know God's issues. You need to know. If you're going to serve him, you need to know what he's going through. You need to know why he's called you. You know, you need to know that because it's important that you understand, you know. Well, because people think they know, you know what I mean, and they don't. You know, and like, for example, this is part of, you know, I've been talking about a lot of these things in terms of the courses that I'm writing for our school. But just to give you an idea or just a statement that we were just talking about earlier, that you have got to represent God. You've got to know God. And then you've got to appreciate God. And then you've got to agree with God that sin is sin because he said so, not because culture tells you that God is wrong. Culture needs you to believe God is wrong so you will buy into it's wrong and thus suffer God's judgment. It's a really cool plan. It really does work, you know? Well, it does. I mean, (laughs) because you you have to, you know, you have to understand how God thinks. Sometimes you don't realize that God has issues you have never, ever, ever understood, you know? And so, you know, you have to, in order to represent God, you have to be approved by him. That is the only way to listen to this. To represent God, you have to be approved by him. That is the only way to maintain his direct involvement. For these reasons, equipping and arming God's thought leaders is more involved and intense than it is for ministering his word to his populace. True apostolic and prophetic education should endeavor to exceed what it takes to voice the word of God. It has to plunge the learner into the very mind and soul of God himself. That is the only way to teach people how to process his communications in ways that benefit all parties concerned. You cannot serve God with a superficial knowledge of God. That's how you worship him. You can worship God with the superficial knowledge. You know, you really can. <laughs> you can pray to God with a very superficial knowledge. You can even hold divas, devotional, with the superficial knowledge. But you cannot represent him and you cannot serve him with the superficial knowledge, which is why you see so many ministers start out full of zeal, on fire for God, and you meet them two or three years later, and they're confused, their word is convoluted, and they don't even remember who God is. Jesus on that. We broke up a long time ago. And, that you, and you, that's how that happened. Because you ran on zeal, you ran on thrill, you thrive on your charisma. God used it to get whatever few children that you could give him that were in you. Because God is looking for converts. He's looking for... So he's always looking to increase his family and to multiply his populations. So he take it. He'll go ahead and let you run, take the chair. You know, I'll take it. You know, people you led to the Lord. How many of you, come on, 
this is a good question. We're coming toward the end, so I think it's a good time for this good question. How many of you out there can say that when you went back to the person who led you to the Lord, they weren't with the Lord? I bet you, I'm willing to bet that a number of you will say that, that you, when you encountered the person who led you to the Lord later, after you all, you're settled, you and God are cozy, you're getting along well, and you meet them, and they are no longer with the Lord. They're teaching some crazy religion. They're teaching some crazy doctrine. They're often some crazy kind of groups of, you know, pseudo something or other. And they, you, and you look at them, you're almost, beyond being stunned, you're appalled that you were led to the Lord by somebody who didn't believe. But they believed enough to get you in. And maybe their temporary conviction or their temporary persuasion is all it took for them to cross paths with you and bring you home to God. Maybe that's what it was. Whichever is the case, if you're going to represent the Lord, you have got to start thinking differently. So, Prophet Ashley, how are they doing out there with this? Oh, well, deal with, of course, deal with our knowledge. Uh, yep, Jesus. <laughs> he just, you know, it's... It, yep, just, Jesus. <laughs> yes, this, this is great. And what I also love is that you're going to be in Joliet, Illinois. Yes! In just a few quick weeks. A few quick blinks the way our schedule is yeah. going. Three nights nice <laughs> Yes. The first weekend in August, August, what, wait, 4th or the 6th? Uh-huh. I went for Prophetic Ed in Joliet at Antioch with Apostle Nona Parker. If you're on uh, Dr. Price, you can go to your website, mm-hmm. com, and, and go to the portion that talks about her travel and where she's going to be, her calendar. Or if you're on Facebook, you can also go to Nona Parker's Facebook yes. as well, N-O-N-A, Parker, and she always has information. We have the flyer on your Facebook as well um, and your site. It should be up there too so that they can register for that weekend. Amen. And you want to join me, Chicago? Yes. yes. We have a long history, Chicago. Yes. So we, by now, we ought to be good and close. We are, really, we ought to be good and close. And if you are, if you're looking for our church service on Sunday, we are home. We've come home. We've come home. Ah, hallelujah. We have come home. So you, you can go to my website, get the address, get the, the services start at 10 a.m. in the morning, get the address, get some, you know, Google it up. If you Google it, you'll find it because the Google people just put you know, they tell all your business now. Uh-huh, there you go. See the little pen, and you'll find the church. You'll, we invite you to join us if you're in the Tulsa area. Um, we are now home. We're ready to explode. So, again, that's Sunday at 10, and I know I should know the numbers. I got the app. No, I don't even have that. That's all right. Somebody, because, see, I got people out there now. My people know where we're going. Yeah, I know, and I don't want to give the wrong one. Well, I'll have you going to school when you're trying to go to church. So we're not going to do that. But go to my website, and I'm sure that before tonight is over, it will be all over everywhere. But join us on 10 o'clock Sunday mornings for church with the Congregation of the Mighty. Yeah, mighty in God. We are God's mighty ones 
in the earth. And considering all that we've been through and we still got to bounce back in our, not just in our spirit, hallelujah, in our walk with God, I'm thinking we are pretty mighty. So I'm excited about that. Well, guys, I'm coming to the end of the discussion tonight. I had fun. Don't forget, tomorrow night is Wednesday Warriors, Warrior Nation, and we're going to, I think we're having a, a, a new church, are we? Oh, yeah. Yes. So you can get a chance to see it. To those of you who are uh, working or coming home, I pray right now for your relocation. I move every obstacle out of your way. I release the measure of scripturally organic, culturally unmodified blessings, provisions, and miracles for you. Let you Find your home easily. Let you find jobs quickly. Let your children be content in the school. Let your moving and packing arrangements be smoother than smoother. Let you get the right vendors, the right helpers, the right movers. Let everything that is carnal and devilish miss you, bypass your project entirely. And we bring you home to Tulsa in peace that you may land here in prosperity and connect. If you are anticipating coming home, don't just show up. You need to reach out to us so we can help you get here in peace and harmony. Hallelujah. Amen. Because we have a plan. We, have, You know, Dr. Price always has a plan. So we have a plan. See, she's right on time. I'm not even going to yell at her tonight. Isn't that good? That's good. But make sure you do that. Come home. And, and if you have not yet completed your application for this uh, semester's classes for Price University, do so. Go online, drpaulaprice.com, and click, I want to go to school, whatever they say. You know, I have to go there regularly because my people keep, you know, whatever. <laughs> Hallelujah. They're so good at what they do. Meanwhile, don't forget, Thursday morning, call the Price Show. And you want to, don't want to miss it because, you know, I take calls, I pray for you, I give you counsel, prophetic wisdom. It's wonderful. So make sure you do that. And then Thursday night is Prophetic Ed. Definitely, I have a surprise for you, so you do need to catch me on Thursday night, 8 p.m. Central Time. Until then, good night.